Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. I'm going to bring the word this morning. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this time of worship. We just thank you. That Holy Spirit, you are free to reign in this place. We thank you that there are no restrictions on how we can worship you this morning. And God, we just thank you for our freedom in that. And Lord, I just pray right now that Holy Spirit, that you would touch every heart, every person that can hear my voice today. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch them right now. God, let them not be my words today, but I just pray that it will go just deep into their hearts, Father God. But Jesus, be glorified. Have your way this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. So today I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So I don't know if you've heard of what that is. Originally called imposter phenomenon. Uh, I'm just going to read a, a definition. So it's usually called, and I say it's, it's a usually known as imposter syndrome now, and it's commonly understood as a false and sometimes crippling belief that one's successes are the product of luck or fraud or just just happened like that, rather than actually any skill or any... um, yeah, anything else that you've actually done. And the, the, so the term was coined by American psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who published an article in 1978 called The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women. Now, men do not switch off because later, as we find out in uh, another article in 93 that Clance and Joe Langford also found that actually when they restudied it, that it affected the men just as much. So it's not just a female thing. But why, uh, while I just read out the uh, definition of um, imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome. Okay, it's used to designate an internal experience of intellectual phoniness that appears to be particularly prevalent and intense among a, su- a select sample of high-achieving women, as we've just heard, men also, Despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they are really not bright and have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. Numerous achievements, which one might expect to provide ample objective evidence of superior intellectual functioning, do not appear to affect the imposter belief. So in layman's terms, (laughs) what that means is basically... Imposter syndrome is whatever you do, whatever you've achieved. So whether that's um, results, so there's actually objective evidence that you've achieved something, or whether you've had a well done at work, or you've done something at college, you've done something at school, in your job, at home, someone's going, that was a really great thing. You just think, yeah, I just, that was a fluke. That was a complete fluke. Actually, I'm really rubbish at that. And you're desperate not for anyone to find you out. You just think any day now, you're going to get caught out. And you sometimes, as it said, it can sometimes be absolutely crippling. But it isn't just for us girls. It is also for the boys as well. So I want to just give you some examples. And there are lots of people that actually have this imposter syndrome. And the thing about it is that people that have it often won't talk about it because the last thing you want to do is admit that you feel like an imposter. So um, there's an amazing woman, Maya Angelou, 
who has won many awards, nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, won several Grammys. Um, her work inspired thousands. She's an absolutely amazing woman. Yeah, she was quoted as saying, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. So even she, this amazing woman, still would say, it's just a fluke. <laughs> One day I'm going to get found out that actually I'm not very good at this. So why am I talking about this today? I haven't got mixed up with a psychology lesson. I haven't got mixed up with some, you know, shrink thing. I really believe, and I hope you'll see as well, why I think it's really important to talk to the church about this and why it's important that we talk about this. I'm not here to analyse you or give you a five tips on how to overcome imposter syndrome. There are thousands of those on websites. You can find them at a click of a button. Thank you, darling. But that's not why I'm here today. But why I do bring it is because when I first read about it, I was reading an article, I think it was in Healthy Magazine. And when I first read it, I literally just went, and I felt like I let my breath out. Have you ever gone through life doing something and you just feel like you're holding your breath? You just feel like, this is massive. I just can't breathe. And then reading this article, I finally felt like I'm not the only one. I get it. No, I'm not the only one that feels like this. So in my room, I just gave a little bit of a yelp and a little bit of a punch in the air. And this is an actual thing, because Jew and I by then had been pastoring for about 18 months, two years. And I just thought, you know, one day, you're all just going to realise that actually I'm completely rubbish at this, that I shouldn't be doing this at all. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, every service, I'm like, yep, no, they're going to catch me out. That's it, Sarah, off you go, pack your bags. You're actually not very good at this. And again, as I said, and as the earlier, I'm really not fishing for compliments because actually they can make it worse (laughs) because the more people come and say, that was amazing. You're like, yes, I fooled you again. (laughs) And that was really brilliant. Great. I've got no idea how that happened, but brilliant. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And as I said, I'm not a huge fan of the December, January, looking back, looking forward, because I look over the year and I think, wow, look at all that amazing stuff that God has done through the church and, and through you guys. And, and then I'm like, how the heck did we do that? How the heck did we pull that off? And I literally feel like, right, next year is going to be the year they find us out. <laughs> They're going to find us out, but actually we've got no idea. But yeah, so this is why Sometimes it's, it's uh, pretty tricky, and uh, I think, well, the church isn't broken yet, yes, but any day now, you're going to say, right, sling your hook. So anyway, imposter syndrome or phenomenon is becoming more popular, and awareness has been heightened, because there are countless websites, as I said, to how to overcome it. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, actually, is this a negative thing at all? Actually... Unless you're genuinely committing fraud, so let me just lay that out there. If you're genuinely saying you can do something and you're not qualified to do it, then that and actually committing fraud, then that's bad. Feeling like you're putting all your effort in, trying to do the best you can, and still feeling like a fraud, that's a different thing. I just have to clarify that. It's not the same thing. So anyway, I started to think about people in the Bible that could have so had imposter syndrome. And the first person I thought of was Mary, the mother of Jesus. So 
she's there, not only, like we read these stories at Christmas and we just think it's lovely and we have one of the girls from junior church will come and we'll stick a pillow up their dress and she'll walk in and she'll be, she'll be Mary, the mother of Jesus and she toddles off like it's the best thing ever. Now this lady, this girl, she wouldn't have even been a woman, she'd have been a girl. She was chosen, you know, God chose her to not only give birth, not only to be pregnant, but to raise the Son of God. Can you just stop and imagine that for a minute? It's Mother's Day today. Mum's in the house. It's quite tricky sometimes raising children, isn't it? Let alone one that's going to be the Son of God. So you could forgive her for sometimes having a little freak out and thinking, how am I ever going to do this? Any minute now, I'm kind of going to get caught out. I am not qualified to do this. Yeah, I love Mary's words. And actually, it's Mary's words that keeps me going a lot of the time. And she just says, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. Just be it as you've said. That's all she says to the angel. And I just think, what a brave, amazing lady. But yeah, she has to raise the son of God. I'm sure there's a fair few times she didn't feel qualified to do that. And then we look at David, who is referred to as man after God's own heart. And he was the king. But yet, we remember his story. And again, go back and read these amazing stories because he wasn't even the first round of selection. He was left in the field. He was the youngest. So in cultural times then, he was the lowest of the low. He'd have been lucky to have got anything in inheritance, in the line of inheritance, because he was just, he was, he was a spare in case any of the others died. He was just right at the back of the queue. Yet God chose him. And we read through Psalms. You only have to read a couple of Psalms to realize that this man, he didn't have it all together. He doubted himself. He had a lot of doubts. And he knew where his strength came from. His strength came definitely from the Lord. So I just think David could definitely have had imposter syndrome. And then there's Peter, who's one of my favorites, you know, and John. You know, they were uneducated yet they preached sermons to the Jewish elite. So I'm just going to read this, and I love this. Look at this for an amazing sermon to the Jewish elite. So it's found in Acts 4, and it will come up. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. That's a pretty good day, right? The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were yeah, that one. John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved." When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, 
They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Now, isn't this a brilliant account, an absolutely amazing account? They should have felt like complete imposters. They had no business being there, talking in those elite circles. They should have kept their mouths shut. They could have absolutely been paralyzed in fear. They'd been arrested, for goodness sake, so they were criminals. There is no way they should have been preaching or teaching the Jewish elite. Now, let's, in fact, let's see Peter's first audience with Caiaphas and the Jewish leaders in Matthew 26, 57. So those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance. Right up to the courtyard of the high priest, he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So this was right before he denies Jesus. He hid at the back. Did you see that first account? He stood at a distance. He hung back and he hid. One um, version says with the servants. So the guards and the servants. So right at the back with the riffraff. He was hiding, watching what was going on. So he did not have the boldness to then go and speak to the elite, to the Jewish elite. It was kind of the same group of people. He watched behind. Now, why I believe that imposter syndrome can be so damaging, apart from being a constant war with yourself, is you either work so hard in your own strength and you keep pushing to prove yourself. You keep going and pushing and trying harder and harder to the point where you just frazzle out, you just burn out, you just keep pushing and pushing, or you just shrink back. You don't feel qualified or able to do a certain task And even if you have the actual qualifications to say that you do, you shrink back and you can just give up. And a best friend of imposter syndrome is anxiety. And to keep that imposter feeling or that anxiety at bay, we can shrink our world to fit only that which we think we can achieve. We shrink it right down to the thing that we think we can do well and the thing that we think we have done without being an imposter or without being a fraud. But you know what? It's never enough. The, lead, the, the less you do, the less than you want to do. And it just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking until you're paralyzed doing nothing. So either response to it isn't great. Either response isn't good. So why did I say then that the feeling of being an imposter isn't actually necessarily bad? So let's look back at Peter and John. So they were, uh, they were ordinary uneducated men, okay? So a fact, they should not have been speaking to the Jewish elite. They were not educated. They should not have been anywhere near the high priest. They should not have had an audience with them. They definitely shouldn't have been preaching the gospel to them because they were uneducated, ordinary men. They'd been arrested, so they were criminals. Only the elite Jews would have really have got the audience with other elite Jews, And remember, the last time Peter was right here, he could have been crippled with shame. Can you imagine the last time I was here, the last time I faced these guys, I denied Jesus. He could have allowed that past situation to have completely crippled him with shame and guilt of all the things he didn't do back then. And he could have kept his mouth quiet. Any of those reasons could have meant they could have kept their mouth quiet. They were absolute nobodies. But... They were full of the Holy Spirit. 
And I love verse 13. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that amazing, church? So yeah, they were imposters. Yeah, they shouldn't have been there. They could have had a hundred reasons as to why they kept their mouth shut, as to why that might have been the only opportunity those people will have heard the full gospel, that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. And he told them off, the, build, the stone the builders rejected, he even told them off. But they didn't. They spoke boldly and with power because they were full of the Holy Spirit and they'd been with Jesus. And the evidence of the power of God and the healing was literally standing next to them. So no one could dispute it. So God backed them up. God backed them up with what they were saying. So these accounts in the Bible and countless others give the imposter monster a good talking to. No, you don't feel qualified. Great. Then trust in Jesus. We can be full of the Holy Spirit and ask God to help us in every single situation. How awesome would it be if they say of us, I know they're not qualified, but they're full of the Holy Spirit and they've met with Jesus. I'd much rather have that as an accolade than anything else. Amen. And so I want to go even further because the more I thought about it, the more I thought, hang on, actually, this imposter thing, it's a great thing. It's not not just negative. That was probably like a triple negative. It's not not just negative. It's actually good. It's actually good. Now, let me tell you, it doesn't feel good. Let me tell you, it doesn't feel nice. But this is why I believe it's good. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. And it says here, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. What are we searching for in the world? Like how many millions and millions of pounds do we spend to be healthy and to bring nourishment to our bones? And God is just saying here, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Lean not on your own understanding. So actually, I read that there as if you've got it all together, you think you're perfect, you think you're missing to this world. Actually, God is like... Don't be wise in your own eyes. Lean on me. I I need you to lean on me. So let me just clarify for anyone that is genuinely not intelligent. I'm sure that's no one here. But just in case someone happens to listen online, I'm not saying about rocking up to the L&D and saying, I've passed my first aid course and I'm full of the Holy Spirit and I've been with Jesus, so I'm going to come and do heart surgery. That's not what I'm talking about. You genuinely need to have a qualification to be a heart surgeon. So please don't go somewhere inappropriate and go, no, the Lord's told me I'm going to operate on this person's heart. No, you're not. (laughs) That's just silly. Okay, you need to be fully qualified to be a heart surgeon. But if you are that fully qualified heart surgeon and you're having a wobble and you're thinking, I can't do this, Well, with Jesus Christ, yes, you can. If you've got a great record, do you know what I mean? Absolutely pray before every single operation in your daily job. Just say, Jesus, would you just fill me with your Holy Spirit? I'm going to spend some time. Why is it so great to spend some time with Jesus? Because he can influence every task we do. And how amazing would it be? Whatever you do, or it says do for the glory of God, doesn't it? But go in and just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me do the best job today? Be the best heart surgeon today. But yeah, if you're rocking up with your 
like first aid certificate. No, no, no. Just please don't do that. So, okay, I feel we should need God for everything. That we actually should feel lack and like an imposter without him. I've just said a lot of shoulds there. And I always tell Julian off the saying shoulds because people don't like to be told should. But I do think we should <laughs> feel like an imposter. And we should feel like lack because actually we shouldn't be able to do it without Jesus. We want to be able to do it with him, absolutely with him. And when we trust God, we can see amazing doors open that we've got no earthly business and no reason to be walking through. So God can do amazing things. You know, today is Mother's Day. And I've read countless books over the years on parenting. Can I say, there are loads on toddlers and hardly any on teenagers, and I think they're much harder. (laughs) So why is there thousands of toddler books? (laughs) Someone needs to write a teenager book. But I think, actually, I think I've done pretty well. I have got two pretty amazing human beings to the age of 19 and 14 so far. So they're pretty awesome. But there has been a whole lot of prayer that has gone into that. A whole lot of prayer. And um, on the whole, I'm just winging it. Pretty much, this is my life story. This is my life. To be honest, I'm just winging it. My life, my eyeliner, everything. Absolutely winging it. And how many people would actually stand there and admit that? Especially to this lot of people here. Yeah, I haven't really got a clue. Yeah, Maxine, we're in it together. We're just winging it. Because actually, all best laid plans, you know, I love it when people with little children tell you how to raise your teenagers. And I'm like, yeah, you just wait till you get there. It's going to be funny. It's brilliant. Because I'm telling you, when they were two and three, I had the perfect teenagers right there in that little seed. They are still the perfect teenagers in that little seed. It just manifests at different times. So, but they are, they're amazing. But honestly winging it and then I'm going to go a whole another cringe I love a slogan tea Elliot literally said to me mum your slogan teas actually make me want to vomit a little bit in my mouth because I love a slogan just a little t-shirt with a slogan on it but I I was like right I'm going to make one now and wear it everywhere with him winging it with Jesus because that's literally my life motto (laughs) so cheesy (laughs) but it's so my life motto I am literally winging life and just holding on really tight to Jesus you know, but actually, I think that's pretty healthy. I think it's okay. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And actually, I'm really serious now. But if you actually feel like, Sarah, I don't know what you're talking about. And if you've never done anything where you don't feel like you need to cling on to Jesus and you don't need the Holy Spirit, that I want to challenge you today to stretch. I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone, to step out of your box, because actually, I think this is the life of a believer, that we should always be doing something that makes us a little bit scared and makes us a little bit frightened and doing things amazing for God. So I want to, and just as I said, make sure that it's not anxiety that's keeping you there and pride, actually. Pride can be another contender to stepping out of your comfort zone is because you don't want to fail But what if you do fail? It doesn't matter. That's what we were saying. It's just learning, isn't it? There's loads of motivation. Anyway, that's not my message for another day. But yeah, absolutely. So keep going. You know, every time I lead worship, I say to to people and they're like, what? But I quake. I literally, I have a stomachache for a week beforehand. I'm just, oh, it's so nervous. And I keep going, come on, Jesus. Like, surely I must have got this. 
But I can't for one minute rely on any ability or be paralysed by the lack thereof. I just can't. And when you're doing something for the Lord, there isn't always that certainty that you're going to have an outcome. You don't know what's going to happen. And you have to trust in Jesus. You know, we could, the musicians could play every note right. The singers could get every note right. I could even get all the words in the right order, which would be a miracle in itself. But I could even do that. But unless the Holy Spirit's in the midst of that, and unless it's just a glorified concert, what's the point? Unless Jesus has been praised, like, what's the point? So, which is great. But it just means that every time you go, you can rehearse. And that's great. You've done that bit. But every time, I mean, Ted will know, you get up here, you've got no idea how it's going to go, do you? So every time we come up and we're relying on Jesus. But can I tell you, if that ever changed and anyone was coming up and going, yeah, I've got this and it's going to go, the Holy Spirit, often I sometimes I think he just goes, go on then, let's see how you can do on your own then. Off you go. And I think he just lets us do it. And then we run around in circles like a headless chicken and realize that we actually do need Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So application, if you feel like you may have imposter syndrome, first of all, you're not alone. And that is the biggest lie that hopefully I've defeated this morning because actually a lot of people have it, but no one will talk about it because as I said, you don't want to admit that you feel like an imposter sometimes because we want to feel like we've got it together and we want to feel like, yeah, we can qualify this. But also... Don't let anxiety keep you from stepping out of your comfort zone. Another bumper sticker. Here we go. If God has called you, he will equip you. And it's so true. It is a bit of a bumper sticker, but it is so true. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, not heart surgery unless you literally are a heart surgeon. And also don't fear the critique and don't avoid evaluation. Can I say some of the most helpful things to quieten the imposter monster is not praise and it's not encouragement because as I said, that actually can make it worse. But it's, um, yeah, and, and don't worry, like I, I don't need any more spaces for this. All of my spaces are taken up. So don't feel you need to come and give me some critique and evaluation later. But anyway, but um, if your role or if you're gifting or if something is being challenged, actually it can make you dig in. It can make you evaluate and it can make you really think about what you did and it can make you think about how you did something. And actually, you can start to think, well, no, I was right. That is what the Word of God says or that is how the Bible says or, you know, no, I really do feel that's what the Holy Spirit said to me. So actually, sometimes the critique and the evaluation can make you dig in deeper and you start to realise that, no, actually, I can do this. I, you know, when I rely and when I'm in the flow with the Holy Spirit, I can do this. So where it's very easy to hear praise and hear encouragement and just go, yeah, I just fooled you. Like when it's criticism, but as I said, you know, pick and allow a few handpicked people to speak into your life directly, to give you constructive criticism and to allow them to speak to you and as I said my quota is full do not apply here so allow them and you know if you are struggling with feeling like a failure or an imposter in a a specific area seek someone out that will speak to you honestly because actually maybe there are some things you can do to improve maybe there are some things that will just give you a bit more confidence and maybe there are a few things but you know find that person but don't don't worry about the um the the critique and the evaluation you know 
I spoke on Peter a few months ago and, and just mentioned him again. And I think why he was so effective when preaching and establishing the early church was because of the testing he went through around the crucifixion. Because Jesus really did show him a character flaw, but in that, he was able to remove it, wasn't he? So sometimes it's really hard in that time of real trial and real testing, there'll be things that come out and you think, I really don't like that about myself. And again, we can go, that's it. All those brilliant things I've done before, I've been fooling people. I've been a complete imposter. And in one of my mini freakouts, I'd go, that's it. I need to be authentic. So I'm quitting everything because I've just been terrible. And actually, like Jesus was doing with Peter, he showed him a character flaw that just needed dealing with. It needed dealing with, it needed sorting, and then he was able to go on full of the Holy Spirit and full of the power of God. And as we said, he could have come back that second time, stood in front of those leaders and remembered the shame of what he'd done, or actually he'd left that where it was, where Jesus had put it, and he went on full and bold. So again, I hope that's for someone today is don't let those past things hang on to you or keep reminding you that you're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. Like Peter did, learn from it, put it down with Jesus, put it under the blood and then go full and bold with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as I said, to do anything for God will be meaning that you will be, t- will be meaning, will mean that you'll be taken out of your comfort zone. You will be taken out of your comfort zone. Just look at the patriarchs in the Bible. Just look, especially the Old Testament stories. I love them. Go back and look at them. Go back and look at Esther. Go back and look what she did for God. Are you telling me that she was skipping and singing and la 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 with rainbows and unicorns following her? She went there at the pain of death, like she literally had death following her to go in front of the king. And she shouldn't have been there. She was a Jew. She should not have been there. Her nationality actually disqualified her, but she got through. God placed her there. And there are plenty of times she could have felt like an imposter. You think of Gideon. You think of David. You think of Daniel. All of those people, they shouldn't have been where they were in their prominent positions. Yet God placed them there. They didn't necessarily have a qualification or they had other things that mean they should have been disqualified. But when God decided to place them there, that's where they were. And so I really want you to, one, throw out this idea that if God has called you for it, it will be easy because that's a lie from the pit of hell because it isn't easy. Like they did really hard work for God and but they knew that they knew that that was where it was to go, you know. So keep keep going. Don't shrink down. Don't go small. So I hope it does serve as an encouragement to all of you, especially those of you that have a little bi-weekly freak out, but um, you know, also to challenge those that are perfectly comfortable. Thank you very much, Sarah, um, to get out of your comfort zone, to say, actually, I don't feel challenged and I want to feel that challenge. I want to feel like I'm not relying on my own understanding. And then ultimately, we're all imposters. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, actually, we are. One day, we'll all be imposters because you know what? When God looks at us on that final day, he won't be looking at us. He'll be looking at us through Jesus Christ. So actually, all of our flaws, all of our rags, everything will be covered by Jesus' righteousness. So if you can't get on board with the imposter syndrome now, you need to because we are imposters. Because everything I deserved, I'm not going to have because Jesus Christ covers me. It's his righteousness. Amen. Thanks for listening to Church Talks. 
We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.